I'm quite sure everyone experiences some level of fear when faced with uncertainty, be it financial uncertainty, health, home, career, or love. I could sit here and tell you there's nothing to worry about and that everything will work out just fine, but that would be disingenuous of me. What I can say is that your perspective will determine your altitude. I was at the hospital before daybreak on Thursday, 21 January 2016. Rue's C-section was scheduled for 8 a.m. The day we would meet our baby girl had finally arrived. At 10 p.m., mother and child had yet to meet, and I had done everything I could to assure each of them that the other was fine. Rue was recovering from the surgery and had passed out due to the pain medication she was receiving, while Zoe lay in the neonatal intensive care unit with tubes coming out of her nose and wires strapped to her chest. I had spent the day going from one room to the other and was now sitting on the floor in the passage of the maternity ward with my head on my knees so no one could see my tears. None of us were fine. But we would be. Eventually. This story began over four years ago, and I'm only just beginning to tell it because Zoe keeps rewriting paragraphs and defying doctors' predictions for her life. Having a daughter with special needs has made me, Andrew, consider what we fear and how we can confront that false evidence appearing real. Zoe is my inspiration, and I hope through her story and the stories shared by my guests, we can motivate one another to defy the odds. I want for Unstoppable to become a community of tenacious people, and I hope through this show, we'll get the opportunity to share tips and tricks with one another. In this episode, I speak with Zola Nene, the most generous chef, author, TV personality, food stylist, and friend you'll ever meet. With two award-winning cookbooks to her name, Zola has appeared on many TV shows and hosted her own. I met Zola during her time on the Expresso Morning Show, and she became a regular guest on my radio show discussing all things food. It was during this time that Zoe was first diagnosed and spent 50 days in Red Cross War Memorial Children's Hospital. Without skipping a beat, Zola prepared dinner for me, Andrew, and not just once. Zola was also the person I turned to when Zoe had several food intolerances, and I needed advice on where to find a gluten-free, sugar-free, egg-free, and dairy-free birthday cake. Zola baked the most generous three-layered chocolate orange cake you have ever seen. And I'm very proud to say that the recipe for that scrumptious cake made it into Zola's second cookbook, Simply Zola. In this podcast, we chat about fear, overcoming fears, how to make career decisions, and the importance of authenticity. Just a quick note to say, we recorded this episode using a different platform to previous episodes and the audio quality dips here and there. I hope you enjoy this episode. From Uncover Extraordinary Media, this is Unstoppable. Let the journey begin. 
figured maybe a good place to start would be with role models. And I wondered if if you have a role model when you were growing up, somebody that maybe taught you to be strong, I consider you to be independent and, and really confident. So if there is or was a role model, who would that person be? Um, I think that if if I had to pinpoint anybody who's had who had like a an influence in my in my life and my sort of character building from a very young age, I think that my dad was a very great example of sort of overcoming barriers and just being focused just because you know statistically the background he comes from the family he comes from um he was geared up not to succeed and he when I ask him like how how did you not become a statistic how did you make sure that you 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 weren't you know what was written for you technically um and he always said that he made a decision he made a decision that whatever he does in his life is to make his mother proud and to not be what people expect him to be. Because he grew up with his dad telling him that, you know, that why you try so hard, um, you're just going to end up in jail or like, you know, you're such a mommy's boy, you know, you know what I mean? So he grew up with that being wow. said to him. And for some reason he decided, he says that he decided at a very young age that he's not going to be what people tell him to be, that he's supposed to be or going to be. He is going to be successful. He's going to make his mom proud. So I think that, that for me always st stuck with me. The fact that he made that decision and he made it happen. He sort of, you know, um, had a lot of difficulty doing it. I mean, the, some of the stories my dad tells it, are just crazy, hilarious in the most horrific kind of way. Um, let me just give you give you one one that I always I always remember. Um, when he was going through college, um, he sort of put himself through college, being like a garden gardener, doing selling ice cream, working um, with his mom as a domestic worker during holidays and stuff. And when he was in college, lots of people around him were, were drinking and it was the cool thing to do and smoking. So he said that in order to not be teased and not be made fun of and not be fought all the time, he developed, he pretended to be drunk. So he'd go to these college parties and he'd pretend to be drunk um, and then once everyone's passed out, he'd go to his room and he'd study. Do you know what I mean? That's a, that's a type of focused um, man that I was raised by. So, um, yeah, I think that he, with growing up with with him and him being able to 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 find success in his life means that for me, success is only the starting point. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because I've been given so much more opportunity. So, yeah, if he can be so amazing and just so focused starting at zero how can i start at 10 and not reach 100 does wow. that make sense yeah. wow that is that is that really is focused and i can understand like you say how much of an impact that would have uh, on you as a youngster um mm -hmm. and then being able to apply those lessons the, the older you get um Zola, what what do you do when you need an immediate boost of confidence? I mean, we we all we've all had those moments where we're not quite feeling ourselves, um, and in your case, having to air quotes perform on television screens. Is there something that you do for yourself that gives you that that immediate lift? Gosh, I don't. I, I actually I don't know that I have sort of a, a mood lifting routine. But you know, just like everyone else, I have down moments and I have moments where I doubt myself absolutely all the time, constantly. I think that I wouldn't be human if I if I didn't. Mm. For me, I sort of sort of look within and I go, I've gotten this far. What's one more step? Do you know what I mean? Like that for that for me is what I always tell myself, so that I'm not 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 focusing on 
the negative and what if I do fail, like you, you know, like the question you posed in the beginning. Um, I always think, you know what, I've gotten this far. One more step won't hurt me. It's like it's like the, the another push. It like gives me another, you know, I don't know, breath to to keep going. Especially on days where I just feel so overwhelmed, as if I, you know, the work is just so much, and I have so many deadlines, and I have so many things to to film and to edit, etc. And I think I actually can't do any more. Yeah. And in those moments, that's what I tell myself. I'm like, you've gotten this far. Just one more step. And I get through it. That's what gets me through it. I, I think that's really good advice because many people do look at the really big picture um, and, and we struggle to see that just one more step. Um, mm. I, I think of that, um, I don't know, would we call it an adage or some kind of saying about um, how do you eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time you can't possibly eat the whole thing at once so mm. um and as we get closer and closer to talking about those overcoming those fears and that mindset what are some of your more tangible fears if if you have them yeah yeah, yeah i have an inherent fear of snakes yes so i stay away from them absolutely <laughs> 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 and, and then so then if we do get to more of the the fear the, the false evidence appearing real kind of fear that type of fear that gets in your head and convinces you to do nothing for me i i sit sort of every day with a, a, a fear of failure and a fear of financial failure i think that that's um something that i I think about every single day and I've had many conversations with my sister where I'm just like, I'm like, I feel like I'm obsessed with just thinking about, you know, the next, the next move and how can I, you know, guarantee financial security, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so for me, that's a, a real fear. And the only ways I sort of talk myself off the ledge when it comes to that, because it isn't a constant thought for me is that I've been responsible so far. I have, you know, certain things in place to make sure that I don't uh, destroy myself in any, in any situation. So that kind of calms me. So putting in uh, steps that I know, like uh, procedures rather, that I know um, guarantee my safety, my financial safety, sort of talk me down the ledge every now and then. But these, you know, overwhelming fears come up every time something new happens. Do you know what I mean? You buy a house and all of a sudden you're back at that place or you know what your geezer bursts and all of a sudden you're back at that place and it's 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 a constant reminder for myself um going you know going back to those resources and talking to my accountant and you know those people and going okay i'm having one of those moments again what right. what's the situation and they help me calm down but yeah that is probably my biggest fear and my very consistent voice in my head that's always going oh careful careful uh yeah <laughs> a lot of people have that actually yeah no i mean and just on that financial side most definitely i can i can totally concur with that uh, i mean i'm one of those types of people that um uh, is quite i want to i'm not sure if frugal is the right word or thrifty but how me i will me too, Sean. let's not be ashamed we are that <laughs> <laughs> let's let's say like if there is a, a particular item or something that i'm considering purchasing i will mm. agonize for weeks over okay. whether i should or shouldn't and whether it's somewhere else like i can find it cheaper um or whether i really need this thing mm-hmm. um, before i will actually part with with the money um and when they're big things 
like uh, I had a fireplace installed in my house last year, um, which went horribly awry in the process. But it was a big financial thing, and they they had to rip out the old fireplace, and then they found um, that the chimney had been stuffed with loose bricks, so those came tumbling down, and then it was on my tiles, and then it was just this big mess. Mm. Um, and in that process, I was like, well, maybe we should never have done this. Mm. Uh, maybe I spent the money uh, irrationally, but this winter, boy. Boy, oh boy, is my house nice and toasty warm. Right. Um, so, so I know I made the right decision in the end, but it took me a very long time to get to that point. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty of other examples, like you said, many people have gone through through similar things where they're sort of holding themselves back because of this fear. Um, mm. uh, and, and, and sometimes that fear of, let's say it's the money, can be detrimental to you achieving the other goals, right? Um, very true. Because that fear then is is holding you back. That anxiety is uh, is determining which or whether you will take that ne- next step. Um, and for you, Zola, how did you then overcome, if there were, and I'm now projecting, but how did you overcome your anxieties around leaving a prominent morning TV show and making a go of it on your own? Wow, it it, I, it wasn't uh, an easy decision, first of all, and it was something that I grappled with for a long, long, long time. But um, after having many conversations with friends and family, um, the question seemed very simple. Is, is there growth for me where I am? Am I staying because um, there's an opportunity for me to grow some more and learn some more because I feel like you should all, you know, there's no growth unless you're learning? Um, or am I staying because... I'm just afraid of change. And the answer was I was afraid of change. I had done and taken everything I could from that opportunity. So first of all, it was time for somebody else to get that opportunity and make with it, you know, do with it what, what they they could. And it was time for me to, to grow because I was doing the same thing. I mean, I was there for seven years, you know, that's a, that's a long, long time to be doing the same thing. Um, So yes, I was, absolutely afraid and I I think I thought about leaving for at least two years before I actually went okay now is the time I need to actually just step off and grow and you know build myself up to more because there's so much more that I wanted to do um yeah it was it was scary and to be honest when I left I actually had no plan it's not like I had you know another show lined up or you know another anything lined up I just knew that if I didn't make the move I would never make the move so that's what I did um and I remember that January after that December that I um I I've uh, ended Expresso uh, that January was the scariest scariest time because I actually had no idea what what I was outside of the show so I knew I wanted more and I knew I had all these plans but I didn't actually know what I was going to do okay so I sat in January, a week went by, and I was like, okay, uh, festive holidays are clearly over, so what's the plan? And from there on, I was like, okay, I, I'm here now. Let's make let's make all these thoughts that I'd had before come true. And I literally talked to my team, and we started – as soon as we started talking about, like out loud, about the plans we had, it's as if the universe heard, and all of a sudden I was getting calls from shows, and I was getting – calls from from food clients and I was getting it's as if like just the mere thought of taking the step Mm. opened up this this new avenue of 
yeah, possibilities for me. So, yeah, it was it was a very hard decision. And I, I, I never take for granted how hard it is. So I never ever, you know, look at people who are, who are staying in a situation and are afraid to get out of it and go, oh, just take the step. Because I know it's not just take the step. It's You've got to be mentally sound and prepared and ready for whatever that next step is. So, yeah, yeah it was, it was difficult. Um, the, at that time, then I didn't, I didn't know that you didn't have anything in the pipelines because that's a very brave decision to make to yeah. step away from something without having a little bit of a guarantee in the back pocket, even if it is a freelance work here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the time you were finishing up with your first book. I was finishing, uh, oh, I was finishing up. Oh no, I hadn't, I just, uh, shot my, my second book. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. out yet. Okay, so that was also sort of happening, and I suppose mm-hmm. more and more people were starting to realize who Zola is outside of Expresso. And and I definitely want to talk about maybe that process of decision-making in just a bit. But first I want to know, is there a time, maybe you can think of one, a time where you almost gave up and how you felt about that and what you did instead of giving up? Uh, you mean post-leaving? That January, that dark January? I mean, if January was the darkest, <laughs> but if there was any time in the last, I don't know, you can't be older than 21. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Still, this is why I love you, Sean. Always with the compliments. <laughs> um, any time that you may have thought about um, giving up or that you almost gave up um, and what you did instead of that because of how it made you feel. that that Because clearly, if you speak about your dad, and understanding what he's gone through to power through, I, mm-hmm. I don't believe that there is an element in your body that would allow for you to give up. Um, I think that you know, growing up with with my dad as an influence, I think giving up is never is never really an option. Um, so I don't think I've ever gotten to a point where I got, got to a complete throwing in the towel. Absolutely, like heavy doubt sets in, but. For me, it's like I always tell my, giving up isn't an option because I always tell myself, like, what right do I have to give up when I've been given so much opportunity? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So giving yeah. up isn't isn't ever an option, like a realm of option in my in my thought. Yes, I have very low points, um, but I don't know. I don't know that there was a moment that I, that I wanted to give up completely. But absolutely, did I go? Oh my gosh, have I made the right decision? Should I go back? I guess in a, in a way that is giving up in, in a, you know, should I revoke yeah. my resignment, my resignment and my resignment, my resignation. Rather. Yeah. English, English <laughs> fails me at times. Forgive me. <laughs> should I, um, yeah, revoke my resignation and stick this out for another year until I do have a plan. And then I kept thinking, but that's what I've done for the last two years. And I, I kept sort of talking my, myself out of resigning and, yeah. you know, and now was the time to take the step. So um, I don't know. I don't know what it was that made me go, just do it and don't look back. Uh, yeah, I wish I could hone whatever that particular thought was in that moment. But yeah, even in that dark January, yes, I, I was, you know, the, the second week of January was, a critical time for me because I was like, okay, I can no longer, I no longer have the excuse of, you know, I'm still on holiday, December holidays. No, everyone's going back to work. What am I going to do? Yes. <laughs> you know, and I'm just going to sit around and pretend to be on holiday for like the rest of the year. What am I going to do? And it was at that point where I was like, okay, 
It's time to put your thoughts into action and talk about, you know, start taking steps to talk about the team, uh, talk to the team rather about the ideas that you, that you had, that you have, the things that you want to achieve, the, the whole point of you leaving the steady job that you had so that you could grow some more. What does that growth look like? So I had to start asking myself those questions and uh, yeah. So then, so then let's talk about that decision-making process for you because it was a good career decision move for Zola Nene. There's, there's no question about it. Um, but when it comes to having those conversations uh, and maybe now uh, post-leaving the show, long post-leaving the show, you've hosted your own TV shows, you've, um, you've done a plethora of things which you're free to list because I can't keep up with them. Um, <laughs> what, what does a good career decision-making process look like for you? Do you draw up a pros and cons list? Do you do maybe a, a fear-setting exercise? Um, um, uncharted for for argument's sake with Gordon Ramsay. Like, how did that decision-making process come about for you? Is that simply an offer? Um, or when um, Celeb Feasts comes along, is that a career deci- decision-making process? Um, so Celeb Feasts was definitely a career dis- decision-making um, moment, absolutely. I knew that I, the next step for me was to have my own show and for it to sort of to look like what I'd envisioned my own show to look like and for it to be um yeah my my vision and partnering up with a production company that actually believed in that and I think that the those that type of decision making is what has has made my career what it is I mean when it came to my cookbooks too it wasn't just about you know creating a cookbook for whoever I needed to align myself with a production or a publishing company that actually believed in the vision and for me that's that's um that's the the process for me is aligning myself with people who understand my goals and who align with my goals so uh, yeah so absolutely I've had many other offers to do certain shows, certain things. And if it doesn't align with my uh, vision for what I have for my career moves or career progression, then I don't, I don't, you know, I don't follow that or I don't take that offer. Um, The Gordon Ramsay thing was, was absolutely an offer. They sort of came to me and they told me about it. It was actually very, um, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know what the show was. They literally came to me and they said to me, Oh, we're thinking. I, I got a call, uh, an email from from an American uh, uh, comp- uh, production company, and they sort of briefly said, "We're thinking about coming to South Africa and shooting this thing." Uh, we sort of Googled about South Africa, and your name kept coming up. So let we wanted to chat to you and see what you thought about this. I was like, "Oh, that's so cool! Yes, come and discover South Africa." And I just started talking about you know South Africa, my love for the, for the country, and the love for my culture, etc. And that's all I ever thought the conversation was going to be. And after that, they came back to me and they were like, we love the way you spoke about it. So can we talk to you more about sort of guiding us about what we should see and what we could see, et cetera. I was like, oh, absolutely. I'd love. So I was only, I was, I was never a part of the show initially to be on the show. Um, okay. I was just sort of, I was part of like the production consultancy team, if you will. Right. Um, we kept talking about it and I was like, oh, you know, um, yeah, lots of people go to Cape Town, lots of people go to Joburg, but I don't think people have uh, like discovered KwaZulu-Natal and I'm Zulu and I was just, you know, just sort of riffing, so talking about, you know, the things that I love that define me that I think are really cool about my culture and KZN, where I was born, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, that's so cool. Okay, we hadn't looked at that side. Okay, we'll, we'll think about, okay, we'll talk about it some more. 
and we just kept having conversations. Then eventually they were like, okay, listen, the entire production team, we keep listening to everything that you have to say. And we just think that you have to be part of it. But now we have to tell you what it is. And you've got to promise not to tell anyone. And I was like, okay, what is it? <laughs> and, then, and then they told me and I was like, oh, damn, that's amazing. Um, so that was definitely an offer, but it aligned with my brand and what I do. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. talking about my culture and cooking, uh, you know, food inspired by my culture, but, uh, you know, updating it in my own ways and riffing it in my own way. So it was, yeah. But for me, like, sorry, I just, I went off on a tangent there, Sean. Um, but for me, I think that the, the decision process definitely uh, needs to align with my bigger picture. Um, I always think about where where is it that I'm going? What is it that my brand represents? Who am I? And all the decisions that I make around my career have to tick all those boxes. Um, you know, I try not to, to sway out of that because then I'm not being authentic. And for me, that's what is really important for me for my um, my brand and my career is to just be be authentic at all times. So yes. That's what feeds my process. Yes. Um, I love the fact that you went off on a tangent. Your passion is just <laughs> electrifying. And I always feel enthusiasm is contagious. <laughs> Hold that thought. We'll be right back. in terms of making sure that things align when, when you receive offers or when you put together presentations, do you have your brand identity written down somewhere that you can keep going back to it? Or is it just an internal thing that you can go, yeah, it doesn't sit with my gut. It is. It's a, it's a gut thing. It's a gut thing just because I think that as a person, I'm always evolving. And sometimes people might say things to me that I never thought of for myself, but I think actually, that would be a that that makes sense. I'd love to to do that. So, um, as defined as my brand identity may be, there is sort of room for for movement. You know what I mean? Okay. Room for growth, room for for adaptations and changes. So I don't have anything written down that I you know I stick. You know, this is who I am and who I will remain forever. Yeah. Uh, it is a feeling. So everything um, that gets. Uh, sent to me as an offer, I sort of sit with it for um, a couple of days and I, I think about it. I'm like, okay, so I guess I've never thought about doing this, but is it something, does it, does it sort of strike me as, oh no, that's, that's awful. I would never do that. Or is it, am I curious about it? And if I'm yeah. curious about it, I need to give it a bit more thought. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it is, it's a feeling, it's a feeling for me. And we've spoken a few times or you've mentioned a few times uh, over the last, I don't know how long we've been talking for now um, about, about growth and stepping out of, I suppose, stepping out of a comfort zone. Right. And then I, and then mm. I guess, to a certain extent, that's where some of the fear is, sitting on just on the edge of that comfort zone and stepping into a new realm of sorts. Uh, how do you like to to learn? Um, I know through uh, your socials and stuff, keeping up with those over the years, how you would travel and then take a cooking course in that particular country. Do do you tend to learn by, by watching? Do you tend to learn by reading? Is it always in the practical I think it's it's probably a combination of both, but but mostly for me it is practice. It's actually doing it, which is why, like you said, I take cooking classes. You know, I can read about you know cooking certain things forever and still not 
actually do it and think that I can. But right. unless I until, until until I actually do it, I don't really learn from it. And trust me, the amount of the amount of things that I have made that have been disasters, you, I couldn't even count for you. Um, <laughs> but with every disaster, I get better. And I get better. And by the time that you see it on my Instagram, I've probably made it four times. Right. So, um, yeah, for me, it's definitely in the doing. Um, yeah, practice. It's true. Practice makes perfect. And that's practice makes perfect. That's yeah. How you learn. That's how, that's how I learn best. Okay. So let's say you you don't have any recipe books in your house because mm-hmm. I've taken them all away. <laughs> oh, Are there any other books to read in your house? Are there any other books to read? Um, there is. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Do, do Anthony Bourdain's novels, or I guess they're not novels, they're memoirs, count as, <laughs> as recipe books? Because I have those. <laughs> so when it, when it comes, do you read anything other than a recipe book? And what do you like to read when you do? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't think I've read. Oh, do you know what the last book I did read that wasn't a recipe book was? Um, Kaya Zanga's, um These Things Really Do Happen to Me. So they're like, yes. and it, and, uh, it's a it's a hilarious book. It's an easy read. Um, it's very relatable. So uh, yes, I do, and I do most of my reading outside outside of cookbooks, like on my way to, to travel somewhere. Oh. that's the, I guess that's the only time I have to sit because if I'm reading a cookbook. I'm reading it with intention to learn and then go and do. Yes. Whereas if I'm reading a book like Kaya's, I'm reading for pure enjoyment and just relaxation. So yes. um, I guess I have to be in holiday mode for me to to read that. So I don't read much uh, other than cookbooks, to be honest. That sounds so terrible. <laughs> no, it, does. it doesn't sound terrible at all. I think it's perfectly in line. But now, okay, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two books because you can have a recipe book and then a regular book. If you were to gift someone a book that you have personally read, i.e. you would recommend it, what books would you give? Um, okay. Oh, wait, must I give you a recipe book and a, a normal, like a reading book? Well, I'm assuming you've read lots of recipe books, so we can't yeah. we can't not allow for you to give a recipe book. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, gosh, that is, I I feel like that's an even more difficult um <laughs> ask than than a, a normal like a, a regular book. <laughs> regular book, they're all regular books. But you know what I mean. Okay, yes, so let me start with the the regular book that I would recommend that every everyone reads. Um. It's a book called Yellow and Confused by um, Ming. Yes. It's brilliant. Her, um, her recounts of sort of growing up as um, a, an Asian South African is just it, the similarities in across all cultures is so profound. And just her storytelling is really wonderful. And also it's just an, an eye-opener. Uh, so I think that everybody should read that book. It's it's really really good. Um, and then in a cookbook, uh, can I say mine? Oh, but which one of mine do I say? Oh no, Sean, I'm not answering that question. I plead the fifth. Okay, if you were to give just one of yours, which one would you give? Wow, Sean, yeah, two questions. Choose your um, favorite child, Sarah. Choose your favorite child. Oh gosh, that's so difficult. Do you know people actually ask me this all the time? They want they they want to get the books, but they can't get both at the same time. Which one should they get? I always say get the first one 
first because it's it's it starts from the beginning of my career so it sort of chronicles um, my food journey from the start to a certain point so i guess start at the start and get the first yeah one. Yeah, yeah that makes sense okay yeah. All right. <laughs> I think the other book will forgive you for that answer. Don't worry. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, okay, last question um, is one that I kind of borrow, maybe steal, but I'm going to go with borrow from Tim Ferriss. And it it uh, it's he calls it his billboard question. Um, so I've changed it slightly. Uh, so like there's a billboard in Cape Town. You can put any inspirational, motivational message on that billboard. Just bear in mind, of course, that a billboard is massive, mm-hmm. but only gets seen for split seconds because people drive past them, you know, very quickly. So you can't put a lot on that space. Mm-hmm. What what words of inspirational motivation do you put on that billboard? Uh, what do I put on the billboard? I think it would have to be what my or one of the things that my dad said to me uh, very early on in life, which actually influences me, which sort of rings through to me much later on in life too. He said to us growing up, choose what you love to do as a career because you do it for more than half your life. Mm. And I remember when I was making the decision to change or to quit my law, my BCom law studies and start uh, and, and sort of switch careers to culinary arts, those were the words that came to my mind when I was thinking, I need to call my parents and let them know that I'm not going to carry on with this. And I remember my dad saying, whatever you choose to do, make sure you love it because you're going to do it for more than half your life. And when I made the call to my dad, my dad's so quotable, actually. When I made the call to my dad, the first thing he said to me was, don't even bother finishing, because I was in my second year exams, don't even bother finishing. Don't do anything that makes you unhappy for a second longer than you have to. Wow. He said, come home and let's talk about what you love. Wow. Yeah. Wow, what an incredible dad you have, Zola. I cannot, I cannot say it enough. I cannot say it enough. Like I would not be who I am, where I am, what I am, had that man's influence not been part of my life. Phenomenal. Can you get him to write a book, please? Because I'd like to read more of his books. <laughs> Everybody says that. Everybody then, says that. And then you could answer that question I had previously so easily. <laughs> my dad's book, obviously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, that's a very good idea. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna love and leave you, um, <laughs> listeners that are now inspired by you and want to follow your jo- journey, Zola. Where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter under at Zola underscore Nene. Um, I also have a Facebook page which is Zola Nene Chef, and then I also have a website. Yeah, Zola I share a lot. I cook a lot. I yeah, do videos and I'm always, you know, I've, I've also made a conscious decision to share joy and happiness because that's what food does for me. And that's why I love food. It's a unifier. It's something that all of us as a human race have in common, regardless of how different we are. Food is something that we can all connect with and we all connect to. And that's why I love it. And that's why I love it as a medium of art for myself. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a point of happiness for me. It's how I show love Food is my love language, so um, I spread my love through my food on my pages. So follow mm. along on the love journey. 
Mm. I I always feel warm and um, held after having conversations with you, Zola, and I think oh, you do that sure. to your food as well. So um, I wish you so much. I'm not going to include this in the podcast because it's really soppy, but maybe I will. <laughs> okay, go and do something for you now. Awesome, Sean. Love to the family, to your two girls. Love to you. Sending virtual hugs to all. Hey, friends. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the podcast where you listen to Unsolvable and let me know how each episode resonates with you. Drop me an email, hello at uncoverextraordinary.co.za or connect via social media. And in so doing, let's grow this Unstoppable community. Your support means the world to me. And if you have a story or testimony to share, do let me know. Also, please do share the podcast with someone you love and join us on Instagram at The Unstoppable Pod or on Twitter at Unstoppable underscore pod. Unstoppable is produced by Uncover Extraordinary Media. Check them out, www.uncoverextraordinary.co.za. Music by Eric Williams in Epidemic Sound and overseen by executive producer Rwanda Lewitz. The next episode is out in a week's time and unpacks the sense of imposter syndrome and gaining confidence in your own abilities. I know it will connect with you. Speak to you again next week. Bye.